Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Let's not waste any time. we got a lot to get to today. Let's head out to the Circus Sports guest hotline. And joining us now... The man, the myth, the legend, Willie Ramirez. Willie, how are you? What's going on, my fine people? Listen, there is so much happening, and you're all over it, and I don't even know where to start. I mean, I I do don't want to open up a Pandora's box because, I mean, there's been a lot of stories today about Chandler Jones, and um, it's a very delicate subject, Willie, right? Because I think it'd be like easy to kind of uh, judge someone from afar, but we don't know what he's going through. It's clearly clear he's going through something. Um, you've been tracking the story. It is constantly developing. Um, your take on what's happening there? Well, I, I definitely think that let's just, you know, first and foremost say that Chandler Jones um, is dealing with cerebral health issues. Um People like to call it mental health. I call it cerebral health um, because it, 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 when you can't process and control depression or mental um, breakdowns, it's, it's, it comes from the brain. So it starts with your you know, uh, cerebral thought process. The mental health is what you use to counter um, and, 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 and sort of battle your cerebral health issues. So, you, you know, it's, it's like having going into the gym and using your physical strength, right? So you're using your mental health, your mental strength to battle the cerebral issues. And I think that that's what's overtaken him. Um, since all this started um, and he's, 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 he's posted on Instagram and Twitter, several different things. Um, the other day he posted a handwritten letter from a journal saying that he was, taken by Las Vegas fire department um, or, or fire department personnel from Las Vegas. We don't, I don't know. Cause there are different departments in Las Vegas. Um, and in there, a lot of people were questioning the legitimacy of him being injected. Um, you know, th- saying that he, he, uh, he said that and, and, and it couldn't be true. Cause why would they do that without consent? They actually can do that. I, I immediately got on the phone. I know plenty of, of of fire young firefighters went to school with my son, or in that same time frame, and and they're now with fire departments to get the protocol on on what takes place with something like that. And the bottom line is, is if Metro goes out someplace and deems a legal two K, um, they can call in a medical team via paramedics, AMR, fire department. They show up. They explain that they have to take once the fire once medical's called they have to follow the the legal two K that Metro orders they cannot 
process it themselves and say, no, we're not taking it. The only person that can release well, who now becomes a patient is the doctor on the receiving end. So Metro shows up, determines Chandler Jones is a harm to himself. It's either suicidal, homicidal, or it can can hurt hurt himself or herself. Medical shows up. If the person resists, they can legally sedate him with a with something safe to to calm him down. So he could have been telling the exact truth where people were saying there's no way that they would just do that. Yes, they would. And then the doctor on the receiving end can release or admit. And he was admitted, according to this journal uh, page, to to a mental health institution for observation. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden this video comes out today, 23, 24-minute video on Twitter, a live video, where he eventually breaks down hysterically crying, talking about Aaron Hernandez with allegations that Josh McDaniels in some way, shape, or form had something to do with that Aaron Hernandez didn't commit suicide, that he didn't die in jail. That And it's, it's very outlandish. It's very um, alarming. It's very disturbing. Um, but more so than anything – you know, aside from the idiots that are quoting his tweet, the video, and taking shots at him, the most alarming thing is that Chandler Jones needs help. Whether yeah. he needs to go into a facility for 30 days, <laughs> find himself a retreat on a lake house uh, in, in, in an isolated area, um, and, and get help. Because there's obviously there's some demons and there are something there's something that's going on, you know, and, and this is National uh, Suicide Prevention Month. And yeah. I would venture to say that, you know, this this is a time where the NFL, the team itself, which it seems like it may be trying to do. I just don't know how in earnest, um, but something needs to be done um, to get Chandler Jones the help that he needs. Willie, so I mean, this has been such a big part of the story this season. Switching gears to football, however, uh, they, this team is one and two. They are now going to Los Angeles to play the Chargers in a weird, like, bit of irony. It may be their one game this season that feels like an actual home game. A ton of uh, fans there are still in Los Angeles. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm assuming, may be a game di- time decision. Devontae Adams has not been happy. Uh, you have a column on that coming at the Sporting Tribune on the field. What's up with this team? Uh, you know, I think it, I think it goes back to last year. Um, you know, if, if you remember when the Indianapolis Colts came to Las Vegas, Jeff Saturday was making his coaching debut, and the Colts won the game. Yeah. Derek Carr comes into the post-game press conference, and – I was the one that asked him the question that triggered him to break down crying. I said, is there a disconnect between yourself and the coaching staff, specifically McDaniels? Obviously, there's here come these offensive gurus. You know, um, what's the story? And he stood by the coaching staff. He stood by the team. Um, the fact of the matter is, there's been, you know, I, I know several Denver Broncos from that era when Josh McDaniels was coached there. The fact of the matter is, no matter how calm, cool, and collected Josh McDaniels may seem, no matter how much he answers the questions in press conferences, this is a man who has notoriously been known as someone who alienates the players, um, 
with a with a with a with a control power that doesn't work. It didn't work in Denver. It's not working in Las Vegas. There's a big difference between the offensive coordinator and the head coaching position. And once you receive that that sort of that level of power, you know the 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 thing that made this team so great two years ago, with everything that took place off the field, John Gruden, uh, Henry Ruggs, R.I.P. Tina Tintor, um, you know uh, the the different distractions. Damon Arnett was Derek Carr sort of providing a leadership role in the locker room, and Rich Basaccia being supported and surrounded by all the other coaches. It was a collective effort. A good coach is going to allow all of his coaches to do their job and sort of feel it, let the team know players and coaches that it's not a one man show. It's not a controlled operation. Now I can't say that I've gotten feedback from anybody from the Raiders. Uh, my time at the facility has been limited this season. I don't necessarily know what the feelings are, but I know what I detect I'm a, I think I'm a good judge of character in terms of, you know, growing up in Las Vegas, you see a lot of different seedy characters from every walk of life. And I tend to be, a, can read body language and, 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 and demeanor. I don't think that this team is happy. I don't think, I think that the last time we saw this team collectively happy was during the most troubling season this franchise has had in a long time. And that was two years ago mm-hmm. under Rich Basaccia. So I think that it I think that there there is a 100% disconnect from the coaching staff particularly McDaniel's the offensive unit you know let's not forget that he handpicked Jimmy Garoppolo he brought in Brian Hoyer he's turned this team whether he wants to admit it or not into Patriots West mm-hmm. he's done everything he can to try to turn this into his comfort zone and the fact of the matter is that just doesn't work and let's face it, let's look at the Patriots since Tom Brady left. Belichick hasn't been the same either. Maybe we all need to come to the realization that Tom Brady really was the man in <laughs> New England. Not Belichick, not Josh McDaniels. Because what happens when Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay? He makes everyone else around him better. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I yeah, I don't think Devontae Adams is happy. I think if it goes down the, the, route, the road that it looks like it's going down, he's going to demand a trade. Um, he's he's not going to want to stick around. Josh Jacobs was the rushing king. It's not his fault that he held out. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault last year the way that they treated him and that they made him feel like an outcast in an, in, a, in a running backs room that had six running backs going into camp and made him start the first two series in the NFL Hall of Fame game. It's no secret that for whatever reason, McDaniels, there's something there. There is a disconnect. He can come into the into the media room and t- say all that he wants about how much he has respect he has for these players. But the fact of the matter is, they're not performing for a guy who's supposed to be an offensive guru. Yeah, I mean it, the 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 stat in your great column about Josh McDaniels, you know, really not being a head coach in the Sporting Tribune was don't just look at his total record. What was his record in the last? 40 games, Willie? What, like, like, he's, he's lost the, there's no coach in the league that would lose that much because it's not a small sample size at, at this point. You, you, you look at what he did with the Broncos, same division, by the way. Look at what he's done here in Las Vegas. Just, um, he's on the hot seat. And I'm sorry. And he wasn't last season. And I get it. Although we have seen certain teams fire coaches in year one, 
But um, I, I, I can't imagine that this will continue much longer. Switching gears, Willie, the champions. Actually, there's there's two champions here in Las Vegas. But the defending WNBA champions, Las Vegas Aces, head to Dallas with a chance to close out that series, go back to the WNBA Finals. And Deja Wilson was playing with a chip on her shoulder in Game 2 because she came in third in the most valuable player voting, and in one person's uh, vote to finish fourth. And I don't think that person should should vote again. Will, your thoughts on not only the way that the team's performing, but the way that Deja Wilson is performing? Well, and I think that, I think more than anything, the reason why Asia Wilson had the chip on her, I don't think she, to be honest with you, it probably stung that she didn't win, whether she took second or third. I don't think that she cares about where she finished. If it, if you don't finish in first, you'll finish yeah, in last. There right? you go. She's got, she's got that kind of mentality, yeah. first or last. I think it bothered her more than anything that, she, that somebody out there put her fourth. Yeah, yeah. And she came out on a mission to to physically take out over a game. Now, I said this in a story I wrote earlier in the season about how great it would be to have or how great the rivalry we now have. It's not just the best rivalry in the WNBA. It's one of the best rivalry in all of sports. Mm-hmm. Chelsea Gray called it our current magic Larry Bird rivalry, and that is Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson. Brianna Stewart, to me – is is like the most you know the best argument would be how people could say Kevin Durant is the most fluid player and the, the the things that he can do the the footwork the movement the this but then when you talk about a dominating presence that you just don't want to stand in front of if he's coming charging down the lane is LeBron James I think yeah. that that's what I think that's what we have here is where you can talk about the two different dynamics it's and and, you're, and neither one's going to be wrong I could sit here and argue Brianna Stewart and be right. I could argue Asia Wilson, and I'm going to be right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when she decides she's going to take over a game, Asia Wilson is going to take over a game. It's that simple. And I think that that one vote triggered her. And, you know, um, given that Connecticut won the opener in the other semifinal and the series is now going to Connecticut – um, I think that the, the Aces know that they can wrap this thing up in Game 3 and get some rest in time for the WNBA Finals. And it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Asia Wilson becomes the first player in WNBA history to score 30 points in a playoff game, three consecutive games. It wouldn't surprise me to see her do it again and wrap this thing up. That would be amazing. And again, I, I still think, despite the series being 1-1, I do think New York comes back. Could be a five-game series, probably will be. But I'm very much looking forward to Las Vegas, New York. I think you're, you're going to get a lot of crossover media coverage, a lot of casual fans who maybe have not watched the league before or have not really watched it intently will tune in for that one. Uh, the other champions in town, Willie, Las Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights um, begin their preseason. They lost... Um, well, this was a fun story because I was at the game last night. It wasn't the Los Angeles Kings. So the Kings went to Australia. So the Ontario Reign uh, essentially took the ice and uh, kind of came back from behind, beat Vegas. But yeah, it's preseason. Vicky, uh, what are your um, expectations? It is so hard to repeat. It is so hard to repeat. What are your expectations for the Vegas Golden Knights as they begin their season? Well, outside of Riley Smith being tr- uh, dealt away to Pittsburgh, I expect them to contend for the title. 
I don't expect them to repeat me, but that doesn't mean that I don't think that they can't. But I expect them to contend for the title, considering the personnel that they have back, um, the money that they invested in Aiden Hill. You know, they now have two legitimate starters. Last year, Aiden Hill closes the season the way that he did, but Logan Thompson is back with a chip on his shoulder. Um, he was their lone all-star. I've spoken to him many times. We text all the time. Um, he, I see him at Aces games. Um, this is a guy who was ready to go in the playoffs last year, but because you sort of in the NHL, you don't break rhythm. You don't break, you, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they stuck by that. And Logan Thompson, you know, he, after the season, he came out and he, he you know, he was willing to be traded if it was for the betterment of both him and the team. He just wanted to be in an advantageous situation. He wasn't demanding a trade, but he just wanted what was best for everybody all around. And now he's back. Aiden Hill is back. I think it'll be a nice dynamic where there's not going to be a one or a two. It's a one or a one A. And I think that they're going to, I think Bruce Cassidy will alternate. And if one gets hot, they'll be kind of jumping to the one role. Um, I want to see what Jack Eichel does in a follow-up season. I want to see how long Mark Stone can be healthy. You know, we yeah. saw a cheap shot on him last night. He gets up and gets in a fight, and it was a major brawl. Talk yeah. about a major brawl for a for a for a, for a, a sub team, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, jumping in here against the defending champ. So, uh, but he bounced back pretty pretty good. Um, the rookie Brendan Brisson looked good. Uh, Brisson looked good. I, I I just wanted to see. You know, it's going to take a couple of weeks into the regular season to sort of shake off that. You, you you celebrate. You have short time to rest, short time to prepare after the Stanley Cup. Um, you have to sort of still shake off the championship because this is your first time back in the ice, and 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 you're going against teams that are going to be coming at you even more. It was bad enough after the first season how how much teams came into T-Mobile and really gunned for Vegas. Vegas became one of the hated teams immediately because they became so good. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think, you know, once they shake that off, I think they'll be fine. And I think that uh, I expect them to contend once again, bottom line. I think it's a disappointment if they don't. Doesn't mean that they have to win, but they they certainly have to be one of the best. Willie, you're, you're going to be the big fight on Saturday, uh, Canelo, Charlo. You know, when I was growing up, I mean, one of the reasons that I really loved Vegas was, you know, Vegas fight night. You know, whether it was Mike Tyson or Evander Holyfield and Bo, and you go down, you know, to uh, Pacquiao and Mayweather. Um, discor- I mean, maybe, you know, talk about the significance of Canelo coming back September, Mexican Heritage Month. But really, I, again, there's a lot of new sports in Vegas. It's become one of the pro sports capitals here. Still, big fight night, big fight weekend. There's nothing like it. Yeah, it's 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 always going to be that. I think that it's it's somewhat taken a backseat to UFC, yeah. but it's also taken a backseat to the fact that we no longer have the big name heavyweights to look forward to. Back in the day, you always had, you know, somewhat of a lightweight, a middleweight or welterweight, and then a heavyweight um, match to look through throughout this throughout the year. Now we're counting on the middleweights, the lightweights, the welterweights. So when you hear the name Canelo, it's it's very important. And it fight night will always be important in Las Vegas. I think the biggest difference, though, is the ease of getting in and out of town and parking. But yeah. nevertheless, locals love, tourists love, people love to come to Las Vegas for fight night. Yeah, it's just, it's just, um, 
I'm glad Canelo's back again for a little while. You know, he had a fight in Mexico, had a fight in New York. But, you know, having a big name draw like that, um, again, we, it, to your point, we don't have the big name heavyweights. I, 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 much as I like when we had Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, pre-pandemic for a lot of reporters here, that, that, that was like their last big event that they covered before things got shut down. But when you see fans from around the world descend upon Las Vegas and and a big fight. It, there's really, it's my favorite. And so, looking for the forward to the fight on um, Saturday. And again, it, 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 this is why I, I've been here this entire week. When we talk about Vegas being a sports capital, it's it's you got the Las Vegas Aces, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Vegas Golden Knights. You've got uh, Canelo Charlo. So. Um, Listen, it, it, this is a, a perfect time to be here. Willie, you're the best. Uh, folks can uh, check out his amazing stories. He's got a, a ton of them on Josh McDaniels, Devontae Adams. He'll, he'll do um, uh, one that you can't miss the next week on Chandler Jones. Willie, we'll have you back on next week. You're the best. Um, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll uh, recap last week in the, the NFL and preview the upcoming weekend in the National Football League. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's head out to the Circus Sports guest hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Michael Matthew. What's up, my man? How are you? Hey, what's up, man? Just ready to talk some sports, man. Excited. A lot of great things happening in the sports world, so I love it. I love it. There's so much happening, as you mentioned. I don't know where to start, but I'll start here just because it's a big game. On Saturday, 9 a.m., uh, I don't think Jihei is going to wake up until halftime, maybe after the game is over, and I'll let her know who won. USC Colorado, um, talk about this matchup again. Was some of the shine taken off this game uh, because of what happened last week? Again, USC doesn't have a great performance in Tempe. They dropped in the polls. Colorado just got absolutely blown out in Eugene. They fall out of the top 25 is any of the luster gone for you when you look at this game? First of all, the luster has to be gone. It's so early in the morning for us, <laughs> to, you know, on in the West Coast. But, uh, you know, it's still going to be a great game. Of course, it would be much bigger if you had two undefeated teams 
yeah. uh, they're playing. But I said it, you know, last week that we were going to find out what Colorado was really about with the two matchups with Oregon and USC. And Prime even said it. Prime said, Coach Prime said, hey, we are like six or seven guys away. And we should have, you know, expected this, especially without Hunter there playing on both sides of the the football. So I think that they were humbled, of course. So it's going to be a much closer game than we saw there um, in Oregon. So it's, it's going to be exciting. So if you can wake up early, uh, <laughs> you know, on the West Coast, get up because it is going to be some fireworks there in Colorado. Michael, are you a morning person? My uh, producer and good friend G. Hey Wiley is not. She's not yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a morning person, man. I like to get up and, you know, get the day started, maybe get a little jog in, a little exercise to, to start the day. So she has to get herself together. <laughs> hey, so Gia, here's, my, here's my thing. Here's my thing is that when I was little, a.k.a. in high school, <laughs> I had zero period. So I woke up at 6 a.m. every day. So I'm like, as an adult, now that I don't have to do that stuff, I'm not waking up at the butt crack of dawn so I can watch a, a, a game. Now, I will say this. If Duke's playing at 9 a.m., I will wake up. Yeah. But anything else past that, I, th I think I really have to – I really got to be motivated for it. Um, if it goes longer, which I feel like it might, like I feel like that game might go longer just because of the procession, then I'll yeah. probably be up for it. But um, I will be. I will start watching college football when everybody else should be starting to watch college football, which is at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So – that is what time I will be up watching all of the games, specifically my Duke versus Notre Dame well, at you know, uh, one thirty. So. so I was going to bring that up, you know, GA, because you're wearing uh, your Duke sweater and you're a big Duke basketball fan, but you're a big Duke fan. But normally, generally speaking, people don't talk about Duke football. College game day, for the first time in college game day's history, will be at Duke. Again, as you mentioned, Duke and Notre Dame. Uh, again, you're a big hoops fan, but Duke football, GA, your thoughts on Duke football? Yeah, you know what? Um, new coaching, new new outlook on the program. I mean, I'll, I'll ride, I'll root for them. I'm not like a ride or die Duke football fan, but I'll root for them. <laughs> um, I have no, I have very lowered expectation. This is very aging myself, but if you've ever watched Mad TV back in the day, like. I'm a lowered expectation kind of gal when it comes to Duke football. So wow. I'm not expecting huge things. I'm not expecting, you know, for them to win or anything. If they do, if this is another Clemson upset, I'm all for it. Wow. But, you know, I'm not I'm not expecting anything. Um, even though we do have a great quarterback, uh, the D balls out when they, when they want to ball out. But, um, yeah, I, I hope they're fired up. I hope they, they realize, like, they're, they're on primetime television now. So um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how well they do. But I'll root for them. That's going to be a fun game, man, yeah. just to you get this moment for Duke. You know, if you're a yeah. Hoops fan, you're like, well, we're never going to get college <laughs> game here in, you know, college football. But the fact that they're going to be there, Notre Dame, coming off such a nail-biting uh, loss to Ohio State, it's going to be some great football. So, Michael, tell me about UCLA again. That that was a big game for them. It, that, it was a very competitive game, not a very exciting game, but you know, fourteen seven, kind of like a one score game. Uh, again, they had been putting up a ton of points. Again, maybe not against the best competition, of course. But uh, your thoughts on UCLA following uh, that loss, first loss of the season to Utah? Yeah, um, just like Colorado, they suffered a humbling defeat. Um, you know, Dante Moore just seemed like he was very under, uh, underwhelming in that performance and very overwhelmed by just going up against a defense of that caliber 
with Utah, who's top 10, and going up against a big crowd like that. Like, the guy's coming from Detroit, Michigan, you know. Yeah. It's not too normal for a big-time football. Like he said, that was the biggest crowd he played in front of. And you can see right away he was kind of shell-shocked. First play of the game, he drops back pass, interception uh, to the house for Utah. The offense just couldn't figure it out. It wasn't only passing the ball. It was also running the ball. And that's Chip Kelly. You're supposed to be an offensive guy. You have to find a way to score more than seven points. They didn't score until, you know, like 339 left in the fourth quarter. So very disappointing because they got a hell of a defensive performance from uh, the, the Bruins defense because they only allowed seven points to that offense who had no Cam Rising there with Utah. So, you know, they're just going to have to regroup. They get this week off. Uh, but next week they're at home. They're going to have a tough Washington State team coming in. So let's see if Dante Moore was able to learn uh, from this experience and take a step forward after a tough loss. All right, switching gears to the National Football League. Uh, you touched on this before that the Rams, again, we're still trying to figure out what they are. We're still trying to figure out what team is taking the field week to week. Again, they, they, uh, they dominate really in that second half. Seattle in week one played a very good game in San Francisco, uh, in week two. Again, you know, you're talking about a 49ers team that is generally considered the best team in the league. So losing to them by one score, no shame in that. Cincinnati was a game that they really should have won where you have Joe Burrow's not 100% healthy. They certainly had chances to do it. Now they go on the road to play the Colts. Your thoughts on the Rams through three games and they are one and two. So the Rams are a weird team to figure out because coming in, I was like, hey, they should tank. They not they aren't going to do much. But then you saw the victory versus Seattle. You saw them being competitive with the Niners. And, you know, we knew the Bengals weren't going to try to be 0-3. So it was going to be a great or solid performance from them. But the Rams could have easily won that game. Like, they had their opportunities. For some reason, Sean McVay in the red zone went away from what had worked the first two weeks, which was running the football uh, with Kyron Williams to get into the end zone. And it came back to hurt them. The 2-2 Atwell play earlier, it looked like a touchdown. It to did. Me. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like a touchdown to me. And, you know, that really came back to hurt them. But, you know, the season, you have to break it up in these different parts. And you got four games here, four games there. If they can walk away two and two, if they can take care of the coach on Sunday, that would be very big for me because Stafford looks like Stafford. You have, you know, Puka who's emerging. Tutu Atwell is playing well. You're going to get Cooper Cup back. They're still trying to figure things out with Kyron Williams to see if he can be more of a, a consistent runner. And you have Aaron Donald on the other side uh, on defense. So this is a team that can still be surprising, but I just, I'm just not sure exactly what they are as of yet. Let's see if they can take care of business Sunday. Then I can kind of see this may be a team that may, though, you know, that may have opportunity to fight for, you know, a wild card slot. GA, do you still think that the Rams can, can, can make a run here for the uh, postseason? Because, you know, my, my worry with them is that I agreed with Michael Tank for Caleb Williams. The worst thing you can be <laughs> is like a 500 team, right? Like if you're, if you're 500, you're. You're, you're, you're drafting like 12th or 13th or 14th. And it's like, I don't know. Like, again, the ship has maybe sailed on them tanking because I do think Sean McVay is a fantastic coach. I do think that they have enough talent that they're healthy to win some games. But 
Now I think they're going to be in this position that I dreaded, where they're a 500 team. Yeah, it's looking like the the Jim the Jeff Fisher era, where you know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. you're at eight and eight. You're at eight and eight the whole entire time back back in the day, right? Or um, I don't know. So, um, you know, I, I still I still have faith. You know, the, the Rams. I never thought that the Rams were going to tank. I think specifically just because we saw Game One, and we were like, oh, there's no way that they're tanking for Caleb Williams at this point because um, you know the defense is trying to ball out and prove something. Um, I think that they um, all came out week one with a chip on their shoulder being like, you know what, the, everybody thinks that, you know, we're not going to perform kind of thing. And, um, you know, this is going to be like last year. I think that they wanted to prove that this wasn't like last year, right? Last season. Yeah. Um, as far as, yeah, as far as, far as you know, they just got to make better decision on the offensive end, man. Like you have so much talent. Like I'll give McVay this. Like he has an eye for talent. I mean, I don't think anybody had Puka Nakua on their, their checklist of like, let's, let's see if we can get this kid. Right. Um, uh, You know, I, I I think that he's able to do great things with um, these plays. He has a great eye for talent. So um, I'm just concerned about, the utilization of that talent. Um, I said this before, I'm concerned that Puka doesn't know how to take a hit. So that's something he's going to have to learn. I would think that he would learn that in peewees, but you know, to, to each his own better late than never. So I hope he learns that. Um, and I just uh, utilize your talent, man. Like you use him in the first half and then you don't, you, you use him for like one or two touches in the second. So kind of concerning considering that you use him, majority of the game prior to that um and use him so heavily so uh, i'm a little and he's and he's been great for you right he's yeah. he's done a great job for you um and i said this in the beginning of preseason i was like he's like a mini cooper cup man like use yeah. him till use him till you can't use him no more <laughs> man. Yeah. so um yeah that that's just a little concerning just as far as the offensive play calls i think we talked about that yesterday um, but other than that, you know, I, I don't see them. Yeah. I don't see them tanking. I think I see, you know, I mean, this is a pick them, the Rams versus the Colts. Yep. So this would be a great time for them, you know, kind of to get those play calls down, get those, get those uh, offensive moves, you know, kind of perfected um, so they can go into the Eagles, at least semi prepared to try to win that game. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not going to try to win, but, you know, uh, maybe no, yeah, I mean, again, we're, we're, we're still in that phase of seeing where they're at. And so I, th- I, I, yeah. I think that they'll find a way to win. I think they will be two and two after four, but yeah, listen, there no expectations that they're going to beat Philadelphia. Another one of those situations, <laughs> very likely Michael, as you know, this, it'll probably be feel like you're in Lincoln field in Philadelphia. There'll be a lot of green <laughs> in the fans of SoFi. All right. Speaking of yeah. a lot of opposing fans, Chargers Raiders Sunday, Michael. You got two uh, teams that come into this game one and two. Um, you know, Chargers are clearly the more talented team. Don't know about Jimmy Garoppolo yet. Perhaps a game time decision. Your thoughts on that game? The Chargers are so Dallas Cowboy like to where oh, you, no. oh! you never know oh, what, no. what's going to happen with them. Yeah, and you know, you expect them to come out there and take care of business. Um, at home against the Raiders. It's going to be an away game for them because that Raider uh, crowd is going to travel very well yeah. uh, here in L.A. But it's like you expect them to come and ball out. Like it sucks that they lose Mike Williams for the year with the torn ACL. 
So, you know, some other weapon is going to have to step up. But after looking at how they performed versus the Vikings, their offense did what it was supposed to do. The defense was able to finish off the game. You expected for it to roll over into this next week, but with the Chargers, you never know what's going to happen. So I don't know how to call it, but Jimmy G is turning the ball over. So if he does that against the Chargers, it's going to really hurt. But I really don't know what to expect because the Chargers are a Super Bowl contender one week, then the next well. week they're to a team like the Raiders or, you know, the Texans. So we're going to see, we're going to find out what they're really about uh, this Sunday. How how um, crucial is this position now that, that the Chargers are in? They lose Mike Williams for the season. Really kind of almost had a must-win game following drop in the first two games of the season when they played the Vikings. And now, again, this is a home game against a team that they should beat on paper. But you're right, it's going to feel like a road game. Um Listen, I mean, if they're two and two after two, uh, uh, two and two after four games, that that'll be fine. I, I'm just worried about this team, and, and if they don't win a playoff game, and shoot, if they, they don't even make the playoffs, I don't think Brandon Staley can't come back. Do you agree? No, yeah, you can't. You have Justin Herbert, man. This guy is what one of the highest paid players ever. Yep. Uh, you have talent on defense. You have Keenan Allen, who. Is everybody's favorite fantasy receiver right now. <laughs> um, so you ha- you should be winning these games. You should be taking care of business in these close games. You're trying to chase the Kansas City Chiefs, the team in your division that everybody's talking about, that even Taylor Swift is showing up to the game. <laughs> Swifties are on uh, the Chiefs' side. You That's have right. to find a way to win these games. So. Winning, like losing a game against Tennessee is a tough, tough loss because at the end of the season, it can come back and hurt you. But they have an opportunity because if they can take care of Vegas, like you said, get to two and two, we're going to have, you know, they get their bye week so they can prepare for the Dallas Cowboys in that first matchup with the Chiefs. If they could somehow can pull off two of the next three games, they are they can be in a solid position, especially with the Chiefs are ready losing to Detroit, but Brandon Staley has to figure out something because all that going back and forth with the media doesn't mean nothing. This is LA, baby. We love winners. And if you're not winning, they're going to want you out of there no matter who you are. So he has to find a way to win with Justin Herbert leading this team. You're 100% so right. I could, yeah. So I could, I could, I totally agree with you. I think that he should be on the chopping block. I think, to be honest with you, last year, Taylor should be on the chopping block. But a lot, as a lot of us know, if it was up to the fans, he would have been gone last season. But it isn't up to the fans. It is up to that ownership group in the Spanos family. And as a lot of us know, I don't want to sugarcoat this, they are not the most um, generous people when it comes to um, being okay with dropping money, Right. So I think that they, um, I, I personally, they gave him a four-year extension in 2021. I want to say that they keep him, let him run out his contract, and then they go from there and they try to find somebody else in a couple of years. Do we agree? Do we not agree? Do we think that he is on the chopping block with the organiza- the actual organization and with the ownership? Yeah, he, he doesn't win. win. To me... He's a defensive coach. Your defense is allowing 29 points a game. Yeah. Um, you, you know, that. that's why the thoughts is if Justin is lighting it up on offense and Kellen Moore there, that you he'd take care of that end, that you will have this defense going and looking great. So even if they do somehow win a playoff game, if they make it, 
If they're not competing and they look like they're close to a Super Bowl, I'm getting Brandon Staley out of there because he's had his opportunities. That Jacksonville game is still not a good look on his resume. And for a defensive guy to be having your defense play so poorly, they, they need something new. Uh, maybe their head coach may be on the staff already and Kellen Moore. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be very uh, interesting to see what's going to happen uh, going forward. It's a great point, you know, because when they brought in Kellen Moore, I mean, first of all, he fired his his good friend as the offensive coordinator. They basically, I, I don't want to put put this out there, but I they basically forced him to hire Kellen Moore. And the, the thought process was like he's basically bringing on his replacement to the coaching staff. We'll see if that plays out, but um, I, I kind of tend to agree with G. I, I don't think the Spanos family wants to pay um, for someone to do a job that they're not doing. So I do think he'll survive the season if they don't if they don't do anything if they, they don't make the if they don't make the playoffs if they don't win a playoff game. Um, I do think he's gone. All right, last couple of minutes here. Two minutes, ninety seconds. Lakers Clippers finally take the court for the beginning of training camp for the beginning of media day on Monday. Really quickly, your thoughts on these two teams? Man, um, two title contenders, if healthy. You know, if healthy, the Lakers are stacked, man. They have a lot of talent. You got LeBron and AD. You have uh, Coach Ham there. It's the second year. The Lakers are a team that were able to make the conference finals with a brand-new roster. Now they get an entire training camp. And then with the Clippers, hopefully this rule allows them to and makes them play and you have Russ there, you have some other talent there, so hopefully, you know, the Clippers are there, able to go. Two teams that should be in the Final Four when it comes to the Western Conference, so I'm excited to see some L.A. basketball. Yeah, and I mean, it's just one of those things that we've never got in Los Angeles, and I would love to see it if they're both sharing Crypto.com Arena for the last time. We've never seen the Lakers and Clippers fight each other in the playoffs. We've We've come close a couple times, but you're 100% right. If these uh, two teams are healthy, if the Clippers and the Lakers are healthy, they should be contending for a championship this season. They get a lot of talk, obviously, about Milwaukee. They got Dame time. They got Damian Lillard there. Um, and then, obviously, the uh, Suns with all the moves that they've made. But, listen, I like what the Lakers have done. And I, and I still think if the Clippers are healthy – they will do something. So maybe at some point, G8 and I will make another wager about uh, the Lakers and Clippers this upcoming season. <laughs> we'll see about that. Michael, you're the best. Uh, we look forward to all the uh, work you'll be doing this weekend, covering a lot of college football. Uh, and we'll have you back on next week. Um, with that said, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we worry brothers close to heart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.